0: Hey, 4Play listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Hello, Playtrons. Welcome to another episode of 4Play. It's myself, Slim Daddy Trent. Hello. Frankie Brelly, Butterknives, the pizza maker. Hello. That was a hell of an intro I just gave you. That was great. Frankie Brelli, the pizza maker, Butterknives. I think you
2: went the other way around.
0: We have a big show this week. We have Brandel Chambly, our good buddy Brandel, the number one commentator in the game in the world of golf. He's on Golf Channel. You know him. We've seen him a million times. We've had him on the show. I think this was the fourth time. Yep. I believe we did twice last year and then once at the beginning of this year we uh we cover a ton we talked with brando for about an hour and a half yeah so we got we didn't have a show on tuesday because of uh the short week so we figured we're gonna pack it all into one big show the three of us mucking it up with brando Chambly. It's a great show. People are going to love it. We cover Ryder Cup. We cover Tiger Woods. We cover Bryson D. DeChambeau. We cover uh, uh, Brandel getting a hole-in-one at Cabot Links. Yep.
1: A little, little uh, cameo from his wife in the show?
0: Bailey, his wife. Bailey jumps in. She gets a little bit of a f- my cameo. my first chance to talk to Brandel. I've had my
2: questions about him, so we were able to hash some things out. Frankie yelled at him a little bit. Frankie, so we got grills, through
0: it. Frankie grills him on a couple different things. Frankie was, like, shaking. I was like, you know, you <laughs> can just speak into the microphones. And then he just kind of went at Brandel. Brandon I defended him off beautifully. It was
2: unbelievable uh, how nervous I was to just cut him off because, you know, you, ha- you think about people you a certain way. And you're like, all right, I see this guy on TV. Sometimes I curse at the TV when he says certain things about my favorite golfer. And then other times, like, you just like, you know, when you meet people like you did with – Price and Deschambeau, you like kind of change, but you know I tried to stick my course, and it's hard to like just yell out and be like I disagree with you. Yep,
1: I disagree, sir. Yeah, it's
2: hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's hard when you finally hear his voice and you know he can hear you, as opposed to just like hearing his voice on TV and you're like you fucking asshole, you because you know they can't respond. <laughs> right,
0: big
3: time.
2: That's yeah. true. Now when they can respond, like, it's like I was, oh, oh. I was feeling the same things as he was talking about certain golfers. And I just wanted to blurt it out like I would on the TV, but this time like he could hear me. Yep. So it was a little awkward, but we got through it.
0: So this show is going to be a little bit differently, or go a little differently. We're just going to run right into it. It's the three of us with Brandel Shamblee for about an hour and a half. Like I said, we cover everything. He's just one of the crew. We muck it up. We have a really good time.
3: Are you looking for relief, relaxation, or to party on the motherfucking moon? Then check out 3Chi's new True Strains lineup of cannabis vapes and gummies tailored for specific effects. And the best part? It's delivered straight to your door. Visit 3Chi.com. That's 3Chi.com. And for a limited time, get 20% off with the code BARSTOOL20.
0: All right, we have a very special guest for, I believe, the fourth time? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Four. For the fourth (laughs) time on this show, our very good friend, Randall Chambly, uh, we're bugging him. We found out during our pre-show, we're bugging him during his time off. Uh, so we apologize for that, but also not really. <laughs> I because... wanted to say
1: that for the show, what does Randall Chambly do with his time off? Are you like mm-hmm. punching numbers into a calculator?
3: Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I've got the Ryder cup coming up in a couple of weeks, which is, you know, I, you know, I think it's the hardest event, at least for me to cover. Um, you know, typically when you cover a regular tour event, there's or even a major, there's a handful of guys that you really got to know everything about. But in a Ryder Cup, there's just a so damn many scenarios, possible scenarios and matches to go back and look at and um, sort of nuanced intangibles. And so it's, it's the hardest, to, you know, and every single match matters and every player matters. And so, you know, I spend... A ridiculous amount of time getting ready for it so that's what I've been doing all day it's just doing Ryder Cup homework uh, but mostly when I'm off I'll especially now I'll go play a little golf uh, and try to catch up on my life because I'm a terrible multitasker my wife will tell you when I'm working I'm worthless I don't do anything I don't do anything around the house I don't do I don't do anything all I do is work and my wife she's a sweetheart she pretty much takes care of everything. So when I'm off, I try to catch up. At least try to uh, carry uh, my end of the bargain. Do some things around the house.
0: I could see you like she asked you a question like two months ago while you were working, and then the second that you're off, you turn around and just start answering a bunch of questions that she asked you like two months ago. <laughs>
3: That's about right. <laughs> I get off. I'm like, you know, all those things you wanted to, you know, ask me or you were you were you were asking me to do around the house. I'm good to go. I'll do them all. You know. So it's like yes. So the next two weeks I'll be doing a lot of honeydews, or at least trying to.
0: So, so Ryder Cup, uh, that's what's on everybody's mind. You hit the captains' picks, all of that. We got a ton to get to, my friend. So lucky for you and your time off, we got all kinds of stuff. Frankie over here, Frankie's ready to like grill you once we get to the Tiger part of the show. So there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about. I want to start. Okay. I want to start <laughs> with. He pulled up some articles. He's ready to go. I want to talk. We got. Uh, the Ryder Cup, you mentioned uh your preparation, all that. My first question is where do you even start? Because you all these different matches, like you said, you gotta come up with all these different scenarios. It's so incredibly unique compared to anything else or, or pretty much everything else that we see week to week. So you, you're you know, you back everything that you say, all of your hot takes with to statistical analysis. Where do you even start with all of your Ryder Cup analysis?
3: Well, you know, since Phil Mickelson played in the ninety three Ryder Cup, that was his first one. So I'll pretty much just start with that. I mean I'll go back maybe and sort of refresh my memory on, on the you know, the eighties and so forth. But I pretty much remember all that and have it somewhere in my head. But I'll go back and just look at every single match that Phil played, who he played with, uh, and do the same for everybody on the team and look at all the results and the average world rank of each Player on the team or the teams and and then try to assign sort of a home field home country advantage and and then do the best I can with uh, trying to figure out what strategy worked, what didn't you know but there's a lot of legwork there and um, you know it just it really doesn't stop to be honest with you Um, but it's fun you know along the way you 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 know you stumble upon something that takes you somewhere else you hadn't thought about and gives you some other angle we're on the air forever so it's like, you know, my God, you've got to come up with a lot of things to talk about. So, um, you know, I always say that, uh, you know, it, it it takes us, you know, we're on the show for 24 hours. So we say in 24 hours what you could really say in about 30 minutes. Um, and uh, long after there's nothing left to say, we're still talking.
0: I, I do believe that uh, one of, one of my favorite quotes from you recently was that you said the hardest thing about doing – uh, TV and golf on TV is coming up with new ways to say the same thing.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, you know, if Tiger's playing an event, let's say, um, on Thursday, I will, I'll do, obviously I'll do two shows every day, maybe three. And in every single show, I will have to do a Tiger breakdown every show. So you think about that. I mean, that's eight, maybe, uh, maybe 12 Tiger Woods breakdowns. And, what could you possibly say about Tiger Woods that you hadn't said before, or, or what could you say about him that you hadn't said, you, you didn't say an hour ago, or whatever? So it's like you have to come at it from all these different angles, uh, and the same is true with every other player. You know, I mean, Jordan Speed goes wire to wire. Um, you're talking about him every single show, so you have to come at it from all these different angles. Which, you know, it and you know, I hate to repeat myself. I hate to use cliches. So, you know, you're constantly digging for something new, something that's interesting that you can share with our audience. And um, it's not always that easy, (laughs) to be honest.
0: I imagine it gets very tricky. Uh, Let's talk about, I want to start, we're going to get into the teams and all of that. I want to start with the golf course. Frankie, can you please pronounce the golf course for us really quickly?
2: Uh, Lake Golf National, is that how you say Uh, it?
3: Well done.
0: Oh, I <laughs> mean,
2: I gotta be honest. Now, this is the second, you know, like credentialed person that actually knows what they're talking about that has now said that I've been saying it correctly, and I was just trying to like just English it up a little. You're bit, trying to church it up. I was trying to just church it up, just like add a little pizzazz. But I to think it. that's kind of what French is, just like like off National. Right? Boom, it didn't work. you, when you tried
1: to do Bellarive, even well, though Bellarive was better. To bro. Be
2: honest, Bellarive should be called <laughs> Bellarive. Bellarive. I don't. Uh,
3: I don't know why we don't call it. Uh, the Golf National. Yeah. The, golf nat- the, the National Golf Course. But we say yeah. everybody just throws in their French accent. Dire uh, <laughs> this, this period. The Golf National. I hear everybody saying it. But, uh, but, yes, the National Golf Course of France.
0: Frankie's got it down. So, Le Golf he National.
3: Does. He's I, been I, nailing I'm my it. green beret to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: let's start. I feel like everybody always wants to talk about the matchups and the pairings and the teams and all of that. But they don't talk enough about the golf course. What can we expect from the golf course, you know, uh, characteristics, strengths, things that it's going yeah. to, uh, you know, reward, that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, well, it's a, uh, it's a punishing golf course off of the tee. It's, it's tight and the rough is, is very uh, and will be very punishing. You know, it's not lost on Europe that the weakest part of the United States game is their driving accuracy. Uh, by far and that is the one advantage other than the home country home course advantage that Europe has so they're going to exploit it and they're gonna they're gonna have the rough as, as thick as they can um, you know there's a fair bit of water on it there's a little bit of risk reward um, so if it makes it down to the last few holes you'll have some water and you have some, uh, last holes par 5 with the uh, carries over water so it should be exciting but uh, for the most part um, you know, like Alex Noren, um Tommy Fleetwood; those are your winners the last couple of years, and they finished second and third driving accuracy there. Uh, Graham McDowell won there. Colin Montgomery won there. Robert Allenby won there. These are phenomenal drivers of the golf ball. That, I mean, just in terms of driving it straight, not long. Um, so it's not a great fit for the U.S.
0: And they Much better fit for Europe. and they do that. You know, I think I, I guess a lot of people might not know that you know Europe has. The jurisdiction, the call on the course set up, the last couple team events right. here in the States at Hazeltine and out at Liberty National. I mean, there's essentially no rough, and it came down to a putting contest because we hit the ball long, not straight, and we putt well.
3: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Boom. Uh, you, you know, I mean, we have, you know, our team, I was just looking at it, um, we average – in driving accuracy, if you, once you throw in Bryson, Tiger, and Phil, they're going to average around 130th in driving accuracy. So you know, towards, you know, closer to the 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 worst than they are, you know, the the, the best. And uh, Europe is twice as good, twice as accurate, um, and they've got some you know long drivers as well who drive it pretty darn straight. So um, hitting fairways is not our strength. Not by a long shot, so given that, and the uh you know this is the best hope for the european side that the u s will drive it all over the lot um, and uh and the crowds will be pretty boisterous in favor of europe, and you know the the home course home field advantage is worth almost three points, you know just shy of three points so um and how do you come up with that well i i I go back and look at the winning margins or the, the number of points that every team scores wherever they're at, and I compare um, the uh, the number of points a team scores home and away, uh, and you get a differential, um, and it just tells you how much you know both teams, um, what the effect of being away is, and you, you add it you know add it up, divide, and there you go, you know you get you get right at 2.7 uh, points for being being home or the obviously the opposite is true if you're you're away
0: ladies and gentlemen is there anything harder to move than a sofa no frankie you're getting ready to move actually i am you gonna need a sofa i will need a sofa
2: a pretty specific sofa too so i mean i'm excited to hear what you have to say
0: burrow is changing all of the possible negatives about sofas about couches that you have uh, they are changing it with a fully customizable sofa that's easy to move and built to last. We have one in the office down on the second floor. We've actually, since we're so low on studio space, we've had to record down there before a few yeah. times.
1: Usually, almost every day, the studios are all filled up. So we'll grab a couple of mics and go down there. And the, the couch down there is a bro couch, I right hear.
0: It's currently 9 p.m. Yep. Um, because Frankie spends all of his days uh, working for Dave. So then we have to wait until Dave basically stops working for Frankie to be a part of foreplay. Correct. Correct. We
2: have to, like, hide it. We
0: sneak around the office. We right. have, like We're basically hiding the fact that you're a part of the golf podcast. And we've
2: been doing it for...
0: <laughs> a year. A year. I mean, almost a year.
2: Yeah. And we can go back. Like, There's probably, like, close to, like, over
0: 40 episodes each week. It's, it's crazy. It's And the main point of this is that many times we have had to sneak down into this, like remote studio that we make downstairs. Yeah. We one, we go one feels by one. Like, I'm like, Riggs, you go first. It feels oh, a here. little naughty. It does feel naughty. <laughs> Which makes it a better podcast it when does. you're recording like a naughty golf podcast. <laughs> Frank's like cheating on Dave with the golf podcast. Some would say it's four play. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> that was good. That was really good.
0: The point is that every time we do the podcast down there, we just remark on how we don't want to leave and we want to record every podcast down there because the burrow couch is so unbelievably comfortable. The modular design means your chair can become a love seat and your love seat can become a sofa simply by adding one seat at a time. Everything is personalized to you, the arm height, sofa color, leg material and size, all of that stuff. Uh, it's all customizable. Burrow is the only sofa that grows with you and actually fits with your life. You guys get seventy-five bucks off of your Burrow B-U-R-R-O-W. Your burrow sofa at burrow.com slash four. That's burrow.com slash four. You're going to get $75 off of your Burrow sofa. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash four. Burrow, furniture that's fit for modern life at home. So let's talk a little bit now about our strengths. We're coming off a 17-11 to 11 victory in 2016. We've added talent. We've added Tiger Woods, maybe the greatest player of all time. Um, we've got... What's that? I just
2: wanted to throw in a bang there. Oh, I like that, Frankie. Very nice.
0: Uh, We added Bryson, who's obviously won the last two events against some big fields. I
2: may just do this for every single person. Yeah, no,
0: you can boo and bang whenever you want. That's totally fine, Frankie. Uh, What are this? What you know? uh, This is being touted as you know maybe the most talented team, one of the most us, uh, one of the most talented U.S. teams of all time. So now that you've given us kind of some of the potential negatives, they're going to set it up. It's going to be tight. Roughs going to be brutal. All that. What are the positives about the U.S. team?
3: Well, on paper, it'll be the best team ever by pretty substantial margin. Uh, you know, the the eight guys uh, before the picks, um, their average world rank was was eight and change. Uh, that's that's insane. Um, so, it, on paper, it's going to be the best team ever. Um, the strengths really of our team are uh, the fact that we have. Young players on the team who grew up watching the United States get beat, um, and so they play with, I think, a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They play more like Europe played with, uh, sort of the same sort of mentality, with a little chip on their shoulder. Uh, the the U.S. team is quite a bit different than they used to be. They're incredibly close-knit bunch of guys. So you know, pretty much every scenario that is ideal in team competition the U.S. team now has you know they're they're buddies Uh, they play a lot of golf together they hang out together Um, so you know you put that with Thomas and Reed and Spieth and Fowler and Kepka and DJ uh, and it's uh, you know it's it's formidable you know you know I I say that they're at a disadvantage off of the tee, but, you know, we have some guys that are extremely good out of the rough and hit it nine miles. So uh, the golf course, the golf national is, is only three uh, 73. <laughs> How was that Frankie? <laughs> that so,
2: was uh, incredible. No, that <laughs> sounded good. Brandon. That was nice.
0: Pretty
3: good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can you know, taste the crepe every time he says dollars. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're grotesquely, grotesquely talented as well. You know, the the U.S. team is. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of positives. The the negatives are, you know, look, you can't – it's hard to get around it, you know. Um, Tiger and Phil have played on seven teams together, and they've lost six of them. Um, They've been outscored uh, on the teams that they've played on, 109.5 to 84.5. The most lopsided victories uh, or defeats that the U.S. has ever been dealt have been dealt with Tiger and Phil on the team. So it's uh, you know this dominance hierarchy. You know if, you, if, you, if you've read anything about dominance hierarchies, uh, you know having two leaders on a team is 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 a bit tough, uh, and it, it it didn't play out well from '97 let's say, through 2012. Now, they've both gotten older. They've grown into sort of elder statesman roles, so to speak. And I think they approach the Ryder Cup a little differently than they used to. So at least for me, the intriguing part of this Ryder Cup, the most intriguing part of it, will will be watching Tiger and Phil and seeing how they have changed as team players. And if they are... Any semblance of what uh, I imagine they'll be because I, again they 've both changed in big ways um, you know it 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 could be all of the things that we thought the previous teams were going to be finally realized
0: what uh, what would we see from that? I feel like a lot of that would be behind the scenes stuff or they 're great in the team room or they're you know they 're bringing the guys together, all that type of stuff. What would you expect that we would see that would be kind of this new you know, role that the two of those guys have on the team that's going to all of a sudden help where maybe it used to even hurt a little bit?
3: Yeah, well, you, after Brooks Koepka won the PGA Championship, you saw Tiger Woods stick around, right? You saw that video, Tiger Woods stick around yeah. and give him a hug, you know? Um, you guys are sports nuts, right? I mean, you're familiar with, you know, Michael Jordan, when he first got into the league his first five seasons, Um There was no championship. The team, you know, the Bulls didn't win. It wasn't until Phil Jackson came along and convinced Jordan to sort of, the mantra that he used was, you need to surrender the me for the we. Um, And that's what Phil Jackson kept pounding in, you know, trying to get into Michael Jordan's brain is that he had to spend more time with his teammates and hang out with them um, and begin to hang out with the young players and talk to them and uh phil jackson used to used to say to michael jordan another thing was the strength of the pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack it's a it's an old rudyard kipling quote and he used to just just pound that into michael jordan and he was like you know this is what i need you to take these teammates out so michael jordan would get it early and he would work with some of the young players on their motions and their strategies and 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 what what happened? I mean, the teams changed, right? And and that's what I see with Tiger and Phil now. They hang out with these young kids. They're friends with these young kids. Um, you know, the young guys look up to them. They get excited to play golf with them. Um, and so I, I'm kind of looking at this team, and I'm thinking, you know, all those all those teams that they had played previously, you know, '97, '99, 2002, 2004, four, two thousand, All those teams we kept expecting to see. You know this great sort of cohesive um, dominance, and it never materialized. And you know it's hard to put your finger on why, but it's something like two guys, two alpha um, alpha males competing for leadership. It's something like that. It's not that hard to imagine that. At least it's plausible. And and now you see these guys where they've they've settled into their leadership roles, and they like one another. So I doubt they'll be competing against one another. Um, so at least for me, that's the most compelling aspect of this Ryder Cup is to watch how Tiger and Phil fulfill their roles as leaders.
0: What uh, What makes Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed a good team? Because the two seem like polar opposites.
3: <laughs> well, one, you know, Patrick Reed is the perfect match play player. And, and, and by that, I mean, he's... Uh, He's a scrambler. Uh, he, he hits a lot of shots that, that uh, you know, end up in foul territory. And so he's, he's easy to sort of dismiss when you're playing against him. But then, you know, he hits a heroic shot because he can hit it high. He can curve it any direction. And he's a great chipper and putter. And the same thing's true of speed. You know, speed doesn't drive it that well. It drives it all over the lot uh, at times. He's a great iron player, and he's a great chipper and putter. The best team ever uh, in Ryder Cup history was Seve and Jose Maria Alathabo. Well, they were very similar players. They drove it all over the lot, but they were phenomenal scramblers. And so it, it guts you to drive it down the fairway and hit it in there 12 feet and have the guy or the team you're playing, you know, Miss the fairway by 50 yards, hit some heroic shot up there 30 feet from the hole, and then make it from birdie, <laughs> and then you miss, and then this happens, you know, six times in the round.
0: That just pissed me and, off thinking about it.
3: Ugh. Right, and psychologically, <laughs> they just, they absolutely gut their opponents, and that's, you know, I've said that Reed is, is the closest thing to, uh, to Ian Poulter, you know, because, you know, Reed's a better player than Poulter, but it He's a similar type of player. Poulter, you know, was a little scrappy off of the tee, but a uh, great chipper, great bunker player, and great putter. Uh, and he's combative in the same way that uh, Patrick Reed is combative. And that, that makes for the ideal match play player. So that's, that's Speed, that's Reed. Um, they're, um, they're the perfect team. They really are. I, I, don't, I just cannot imagine... You know, Sebby used to jump around. Sevy would always, you know, take the rookie under his wing and help him. But once he found Jose Maria Althavre, uh, the first year they played together was 87. But, you know, Sevi would play with the young rookie. Uh, but once he started playing with Jose Maria Olatavo, that was it. Um, you know, they were 3-1 and 0 in 87. They were 3-0 and 1 in 89. They were 3-0 and 1 in 91. 2-1-0-93. And oh, and I mean, that's eleven three and one the greatest team ever. And that's where Reed and Spieth are going to end up. They're that good.
0: Do you just rattle those off the top of your head, or do you have a sheet in front of
3: you? Oh, no, I've got all these numbers in front of me.
0: Oh, oh man. I was going to say,
1: Rudyard Kipling, dominance hierarchy. Yeah. And then if he had rattled those off, I mean, we're dealing with a, a real genius. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was going to say, this is your day off? Jesus <laughs> Christ, Brandon. <laughs>
2: Uh, I could see him just rattling those off, just like petting, petting like a dog as he just like <laughs> stares at a fire, maybe <laughs> drinking a little whiskey, just With rattling, like these pipe. just like just a real astute dog just <laughs> sitting there, just not even doesn't bark, just sits there uh, yeah. and just lets him just put. maybe like a pug.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Is that what's going on down there, Brandon? I feel like that like might be what's going on. Evil dog.
2: Like he's just there, like just talking, <laughs> no, just talking numbers. That,
3: I do. I have like a, you know, a a, a great Dane sitting. Oh, that's that's (laughs) what I meant. I I don't know why I said punk.
2: A great Dane is the one. It Uh. could pounce at any moment if someone like messes up his papers.
0: Uh, So, Tiger, Bryson, Duchamp, what do you expect from that, uh, that parent that everybody's talking about?
3: You know, I I think they're, you know, they're perfect for each other. They're both, uh, they're both geeks. You know, Tiger is, is a, is a he's, a he's a kid you know in that regard you know he's so curious he wants to know everything and and bryson's the same way and the reason they hang out together is because bryson can tell things tiger he's he's never heard of he, he had no idea and tiger wants to understand them. so you know tiger's been really really hard to play golf with for a lot of reasons you know one he's intimidating um and even if he's just not trying to be, he's just intimidating. He walks into a room and the whole nature of the room changes, right? He's like a, a human thermostat. You know, he walks in and the room gets colder immediately. Um,
0: oh, man. I like that. You just come up with that?
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's what he is, right? I mean, he just changes, everybody changes around him, whether they realize it or not, they either try to be cooler or, or uh, they go quiet or, you know, you know the jokes they told before they were real funny, they can't even get them out, you know. Um, you know, he just does that to people. Um, but also Tigers plays the softest golf ball on either team. And so when you're trying to match with him, you've got to look down at a golf ball that has Tiger's name on it, first of all. Um, you know, that, that's, that's off-putting. He's not going to play your golf ball. You're going to play Tiger's golf ball, and it's the softest golf ball. You're not playing a golf ball anywhere near that soft, so you've got to adjust, and that you got to adjust on putts and iron shots and wedges and bunker shots. Add to that the fact that he's intimidated, and the team that you're playing has got nothing to lose. They're huge underdogs, um, and it's you know it hasn't been an ideal scenario. So here comes Bryson, and he is they're like kindred spirits. He and Tiger. You know, and Tiger has done everything he can to make Bryson feel comfortable. And it's it's paid off. It's turned Bryson. I think, you know, Tiger, I think, gets a huge assist in the success that Brian, Bryson is having because he's, you know, he's he's sort of taken him under his wing. And, uh, you know, imagine the confidence boost of that. So, and I, on the other side, you know, I think Tiger will be able to understand but I don't think Bryson would be particularly easy to play golf with either because he, he takes into consideration, you know, a myriad of things. It would just, you know, imagine if they pair him with Dustin or Brooks or Bubba. <laughs> you know, these guys who play the game you know, a lot more uh-huh. – Let's say scaled down way.
1: Bryson and Bubba uh, would be so interesting to watch. I would watch that.
0: Bryson and Bubba? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man! I think Bubba's brain would
2: just they'd, shut off. They, I mean, they'd kill each other. There'd be, be, they'd fist fight each other. There'd be
0: one guy yeah, left I, at the end.
3: I don't. I don't think you're going to see that team. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a hunch. I just really don't think you'll see that team. I think you might see Tiger, Bryson. Uh, if not, you know, four of the team matches, you'll see them. I, I think you'll see them three. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, mean, I really, I think they're the perfect fit because I think, honestly, I think Tiger can, he's familiar with the way Bryson breaks down golf shots. And, and if there's some formula that needs to be worked out for a soft golf ball, Bryson will figure it out and, and they'll be better off for it.
0: So final captain's pick. Uh, everybody thinks that Tony Finau is essentially a shoe in, uh, you know, Kevin Kisner's one of our guys. I'd love to see kids in there. With the way the pairings are kind of um unfolding, it, it it seems like there's a um a vacancy with Phil Mickelson that needs to be filled. Kiz and Phil uh were undefeated at the President's Cup. But a lot of people again are, bas- are basically considering Tony Finau a lock. Do you consider Finau a lock and uh and, and you know, why is he getting all the love?
3: Well he probably is I mean who he, who Who is going to be picked and who should be picked are two different things. I mean, Finau's probably a lock, but uh, I wouldn't pick him if I were the captain, and I wouldn't pick Kisner either, Uh, although I get it. You know, he did play with Phil, and they were undefeated, but, you know, the President's Cup is a frat party compared to the Ryder Cup. Uh, They're as different as night and day. Um, You know, there's already on the team a number of players that are just like Finau. Kepka, D.J. Reed, Thomas, Watson, Nicholson, Woods, they're all female. They're all players that drive at nine miles and hit it all over the place. Um, this team doesn't need another one of those type of players. It doesn't need it. They need a foursomes player. Uh, they, could, they could very easily, I mean, foursomes will decide this Ryder Cup, and Europe is deficient. In their foursomes teams right now. Hugely deficient, as a matter of fact. So they need somebody who can drive it straight and hit greens. And there's really only one choice out there, uh, and that's Kyle Stanley. Kyle Stanley is the answer to Henrik Stenson. Um, Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose on the other side. Mind you, they've got the the other, Europe has, you know, they've got scores of good foursomes teams, scores. And the U.S. doesn't really have one. Um, but Kyle Stanley would at least give them a leg up on putting together a good foursomes team um, you know he's fifth in fairways hit he's fourth in greens and regulation he's he's not quite as good as Henry extensive but nobody in the world is at, at hitting his targets but Kyle's the closest thing to it and would give them a lot more options um, so if 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 they're doing their homework They'll pick Kyle Stanley. Um, but my guess is people are victims of the moment. You know, they're prisoners of the moment. And they see, look, Finau's played really well in majors this year. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's a phenomenal player. He's a great guy. Um, but this has been an incredibly easy year for driving accuracy problems in majors. The Masters always is. And the U.S. Open at 50-yard wide fairways. And the Open Championship was one out of the rough drive it in the rough and it didn't matter. Um, Molinari spent more time in the rough than the fairway there. And the PGA Championship had greens that were soft as ripe avocados, for crying out loud. So um, you could drive it in the rough and it didn't matter. And so Finau played phenomenal this year in in all the majors, so he got a lot of points. Um, but, uh, But in my opinion, Kyle Stanley is the better pick.
0: All right, let's get over to Team Europe. Uh, they picked their four captains picks today. with Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter. Uh Sergio Garcia not had a great stretch here this year. Um, really not great since winning the Masters last year. Do you think that was a you know, poor pick or what are our thoughts on the Sergio pick?
3: No, I I thought it was uh thought it was a good pick. I thought it was an appropriate pick. Um, Sergio has not played well you know and and there's you know there's rumors as to why you know you know maybe there's some off of the golf course distractions nobody really knows um the one time he he played well in the last month and a half was was at the golf course where they're playing the Ryder Cup uh, the French Open he finished uh he finished eight there he shot 64 on Saturday um and he is a phenomenal driver. Golf ball, even when he's even when he's struggling, and there's a sense that that even if Sergio is, you know, he is he's struggling, no question about it. You look at the results, there's no question this guy's struggling. But Sergio has had times in his career where he's gone into the Ryder Cup not playing particularly well, and he just turns into another person there. You know, Sergio comes alive when he's got um, the Ryder Cup in his sights, and when he's got teammates to uh, to sort of Cheer him up. He's a very sort of uh, um, he's a moody guy, you know. He's uh, he's he runs hot and cold, but at the Ryder Cup he just turns into another guy. Um, and he's been, you know, he's been he's been so good um, with so many different players. You know, he just pairs well with anybody. And he's been a nemesis for Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. I mean, if you wanted to point to one player more than any other. That has, that has, uh, uh, you know, been the the perfect foil to Tiger and Phil. Uh, it's it's been Sergio. Matter of fact, um, you know, from 1999, Sergio's first year in the Ryder Cup to 2008, he was almost playing Tiger or Phil in every Dad Gum match, and they only beat him once. Jesus, uh, and. Uh, You know, I mean, if you're looking for a great rivalry in golf, you know, it is Sergio and and Tiger in terms of animosity between the two of them. Obviously, Tiger gets the the most of, of Sergio, but not in the Ryder Cup, not in the Ryder Cup. Sergio has handed Tiger and Phil their hat in the Ryder Cup.
0: Isn't it crazy that those guys were kind of they were they were crushing him in the majors during that entire stretch, but he was crushing them in Ryder Cups.
3: Yeah. Again, you know, I, I think there's a lot at work. There's, a, there's an interesting dynamic that, that is very hard to get your arms around, but it, it's it's something again, like, uh, you know, it's it's fairly complicated. But the Europeans, they grew up on soccer. You know, they grew up in cricket or soccer, and they're all amateur soccer players, and they all play on teams. Sergio plays on a soccer team. He owns a soccer team, and the team concept is is very much a part of their lives, and. You know the Ryder Cup, at least on the U.S. side, is a, is a bunch of players who never played on teams. They didn't. They're they're lone wolves, all of them, for the most part. They're great at what the, individually they're phenomenal, but you put them together, and they're they're um, they're not as good. You know, they just haven't been as good, and that's that's been uh, the reason they've been able to turn things around is because they have come together as a team, which sounds cliche, but it is. It is something like that you know it's uh, and uh, you know Sergio is better when he's on a team he's just a better player he puts better uh, he's not as negative he's not as hard on himself you know the, the week he won the Masters last year uh, early on in that week he said he said on Tuesday I believe he said of Masters week that he's learned to fall in love with that place that he's fallen in love with that place this is the only week I've ever seen him with a great attitude at a major championship, and he won the damn thing. And he has a great attitude every Ryder Cup, and he just lays waste to everybody. He's like Genghis Khan at the damn thing. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, so, is Europe the underdog? I mean, we talked about the you know the three point uh, home home field advantage, but the U.S. has the best team on paper of all time. Uh, is Europe the underdog on home soil?
3: This one's pretty even, I'd say. You know, I'd be interested to see what the bookmakers make, and I'm sure they'll give the U.S. a slight, uh, a slight edge based upon world rank um, and the fact that you know Sergio comes in there cold, and Casey and Stenson come in there sort of middle temperature, medium high heat, I guess. Um, I'm sure they'll give the edge to the U.S., um, and and I'd I'd be inclined to go that way myself to give the edge to the U.S. Um, but again, a lot of hangs in that last pick. At least it does for me. Um, you know. Um, but right now, I'd, I'd have to say you, you give the you give the edge to to the U.S. They've just got uh, they've just got too many guys that are perfectly suited for the Ryder Cup now. Whereas before they didn't, and now then they do. They've got all this, you know, the Spieth and Reed and Thomas uh, and Fowler and it it's it's just going to be a nice run with these guys for a while.
0: It is nice that we've got that young crop. They're all buddies like you said. They got phenomenal team chemistry. Yeah. So, there's a lot to look forward to. The Ryder Cup's going to be awesome. We still got 3 over 3 weeks until that starts. Uh so, let's jump into some Tiger talk. We always got to, okay. you know, we got to get into Tiger anytime you're on this show. <laughs> we uh just uh, you know, a little uh under a year ago it was before, right before Tiger's return in the Bahamas. And, uh, you know, we had you kind of go through your hurdles. You had a list of hurdles that, that essentially drew you to the conclusion that Tiger Woods would never be able to really win a PGA Tour event again. We did have you on after that as well. And you said, look, he cleared some of the hurdles for sure. I think it's way more likely now. Uh Let's go over those those hurdles and essentially, I, I'd love to figure out you know sort of uh, if you're just Brandle amazed at the fact that he got over uh, some of these hurdles. If you're if you're stunned and kind of which you know which hurdle maybe because I know you have the chipping yips, yeah the the swing the back the mental edge all of that. Uh, I'm I'm curious which one's the most surprising because like I said it's been almost a year. So curious your thoughts on that on how far we've come from that interview to what you've seen over the last eight months or so.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've said this to you guys before, but I mean, the, the most shocking thing to me is the success that Tiger Woods has had around the greens. Uh, you know, one of the most oft quoted, uh, how should I say just inaccurate, um, things that are thrown out about Tiger Woods is that he was a great chipper of the golf ball. Uh, he was good. He it was, it was never great. He was good. Now, you know, people can throw out all those holdout chips and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, that's what tour pros do. You know, they're good. They're really good around the greens. But he was never the best. The moment made those shots great. The moment made them even bigger. But I promise you, if Steve Stricker and Jim Furick and Jason Day had all those chips. They had to hold more of them, and they had to hit them closer. Um, they were just better than him around the greens. He was throughout his career. He 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 averaged around 50th um, in chipping proximity. It's it's a stat called ARG. Um, and as we speak, he's tied for first. He's never chipped this good in his life. Uh, and I. I you know, I, I didn't see that coming, not, not in my wildest imagination. I thought he was going to be doomed for the rest of his career uh, with some sort of chipping yips. So I said before I would add the caveat, if anybody could do it, if anybody could get over it, he will because he's proven himself to have the strongest mind in the history of the game. Uh, I always said that as a caveat, but I never expected him to get past the chipping yips, never. I've never seen anybody do it. Never. I've never. have seen only a handful of tour pros with the chipping yips, and they've still got them. Um, and they're, you know, they're out of the game. So that is the most amazing about the most amazing thing about Tiger's return. And then once I saw that he could chip, and once I heard that his back didn't bother him anymore, I thought, well, game on, you know, game on, because uh, the last time he had any semblance of health. And could chip a little bit was 2013 he was player of the year and won five times now in 2013 he was 37 and the 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 sharp fall off in the game begins around 38 39 40 Um, for almost every player that's ever played the game you begin to see their their skills deteriorate and so the next time Tiger plays in a major he'll be 43 so you know, it's good news, bad news that he's back and he's playing well and it's great and all that. But the door slams very quickly. Um, but it will not surprise me if Tiger Woods goes on to win, you know, a handful of more handful of golf tournaments. But I wouldn't get your hopes up for many more than that. You know, um, post 42, the, the the most prolific winners of all time on the PGA Tour. If you look at the 10 most prolific winners of all time. Um, after they turned 42 years of age, they averaged two wins apiece. That's it. And collectively, they only won two majors. That's it. Jack Nicklaus won the Masters when he was 46, and Phil won the Open when he was 43. None of the other top tens in the history of of the PGA Tour, none of the other top ten winners won a single major. Not Hogan, not Snead, not nelson not palmer not watson none of them so you know golf is cruel to middle-aged men
0: shady rays folks shady rays is an independent sunglass company they have the strongest warranty among all sunglasses brands that includes both a lifetime craftsmanship warranty with every single pair and free replacement if lost or broken have you ever lost or broken sunglasses guys
1: yes
2: all the time
0: i feel like is that something that happens frequently
2: it is. Yes. I think sunglasses are the thing I lose the most mm-hmm. in my entire life.
0: If you drop them in the lake, ocean, doesn't matter. No matter what happens, if you uh, lose or break your shady rays, they've got your back with a replacement from uh, for a small shipping and handling fee. Go out there, live your life. Do not worry about what's going to happen to your shades. That's always one of my least favorite things when you actually get a really nice pair of shades. Then you're actually afraid to ever uh, use them. Yes. Because you're going to lose them. You use them, you lose them. Right. You're panicking the whole time. Yeah, or you have anxiety about it. You don't want anxiety about your shades. Nope, no, not at all. And I've been wearing shades the last
2: couple of days because I've had um, heat bubbles underneath my eyes. Because Frankie
1: we- walked in the other day looking <laughs> like the Terminator. When you walked yeah. in the office, I don't know what was going yeah, on.
2: Yeah, now I'm, I'm all I'm all messed up because I don't know where my shades are all the time. They're like on my desk. There's, sometimes they're on my hat. I'm like,
0: I don't I don't know. I don't know where it's they anxiety. Go. It is anxiety. Why would you want that with your sunglasses?
2: I, I'm glad we didn't get into the heat bubbles. Let's just keep going on that.
0: Most pair of the Shady Rays, are around 45 bucks, which is just crazy because you'd think they're like two or $300 pair of sunglasses. Mm. They are quality. I really don't know how, how they possibly do it. They're polarized, durable. Mine have kept up phenomenally, and they feel like they're, again, 200 $300 pair of sunglasses. They're super clear even with all that. They offer free replacements, which is just stunning. Shady Rays also provides 11 meals to fight hunger in America, with every order and has donated over 1.8 million meals so far. You love to see that. You just love to see that. Give them back. That's just awesome. 1.8 million meals? Think what How many that
2: meals that is? 1.8 million one, meals? What do you think?
0: Um, how many meals a year do you think like a good restaurant provides?
2: You'd think I would know that because I own a restaurant, yep. or my family does, but I have no idea. We're
1: looking to you here.
2: We also don't keep any inventory. I didn't even think about that when I asked
0: you. I we just, don't, we don't keep any like, of that in, well. like
2: it's my dad running a 250 person restaurant like it, we we are very we're not, like, the norm. He's, like, doing stuff with a pencil and paper. He's running yeah, around. He's old school. He doesn't know, like, what the inventory is. Yeah, be just... careful.
0: You don't want people digging into your books, Frank. Well, no, I a, mean. It a public podcast. But I
2: mean. But I mean
0: <laughs> IRS <laughs> kicking I down gonna, Mr. Borelli's door I here. I was going to say. You tell me you editing dad's... this. We may need to just redo this. <laughs> your dad's doing the books with erasers and stuff. I mean, no, I, mean,
2: I meant. <laughs> like, how many chicken parms we specifically sell. Like, it's not. Well, how
1: you bust know... busted, Frank? Uh, my son went on a call podcast. Well, now you guys got me going. Saying no, like, like a canary fine. about you know, our books.
0: I mean, I don't – we don't cut stuff. <laughs> Those so, bubbles I mean, are really bubbling just, right now. Was, uh, you know. I, I – mean, I mean, like, like, I'm sure you, it's fine. I meant sure like, like – totally no, fine. it is
2: fine, but I meant what you – like, i meant when when you ask the question how many do they sell it's like i don't have like records see like th- everything i say is going to sound even worse i mean we don't have like we've sold we did 18 you don't know how many parms. how
0: many thousands of meals you've you've sold right that's no all you have to say i don't know why you got you, you don't have any idea this, how much
1: money's coming through or coming out of that web of like, i never
0: mentioned money this web of uncertainty that you you you
3: <laughs> oh. carved up
0: for yourself it's crazy Our listeners get an exclusive promo code BARSTOOL, and you are going to get a buy one, get one deal. It's 50% off two or more items from the Shade Shop. This is the strongest, best deal that Shady Ray's offers. You are very welcome. This is exclusive to our listeners. Again, use the code BARSTOOL. You're going to get 50% off if you get two or more items from the Shade Shop also, maybe uh, buy one, get one free. That's kind of how it works. You can do the math. You can justify it in your brain however you want. Code Barstool, B-A-R-S-T-O-O-L. It's going to get you 50% off two or more items from the Shade Shop. Go get them. com. Go get them. Code Barstool.
2: So. Now, Brando, what are we allowed to just throw Tiger in that group of names even though he continuously does things that just make us, you know, just fall back in our chairs and take back things that we've said, as you just pointed that you've had, that he's done that, you know, with the chipping yips and the back. I mean, I've had, I, I had all these things queued up and you're basically doing the Eminem thing for Eight mile where you just announce all the things that, that you've done <laughs> wrong. And I just can't say any of them. Like, but to me, I, I, Like, we just don't know what Tiger Woods is going to do yet, right? We don't know what a 41, 42-year-old injured back Tiger Woods does because I feel like he's the only person that could overcome something like this. Are we not allowed to give him that that opportunity to, you know, prove us wrong or prove you wrong?
3: Well, I mean, we've got – let's just say that the the one guy that was a prolific winner after turning 42, okay, in the top 10 of all time was Sam Snead. So – Sam Snead was the most physically gifted in terms of flexibility and timeless in terms of age player the game's ever seen. Uh, he was finishing the top ten of majors when he was 60, 61, 62. I think we can – can we agree that Phil – or excuse me, that Tiger is not Sam Snead? He's you know, not. He is, he is not. He does not swing the club Correct. longer than he swung it when he was 22 or 23. He's a foot short of where he used to swing it, you know. Um, you know, long swing, long career, and Tiger swing has got shorter and it's 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 quicker in transition. So these things matter, you know. There's a reason Tiger hasn't won this year. There's a reason. It's it's not just fate. There's a reason, and you get worse incrementally as you get older. You get better incrementally when you're young and you're gaining experience. You get better incrementally until by the time you're 25, 26, 27, it just everything's perfect. You're physiologically as good as you're going to be from an experience standpoint as you're good as you're going to be. And so you get this sweet spot from 26 to 33, and, and that's where you make your hay. And then you glide through to about 38, and then physiologically there's a tipping point. Um, and then your nerves begin to dip, decay around 41, 42. So I hear you that Tiger Woods has done things that nobody's ever done before, uh, and I, I agree with that, but he's human, and there's strong evidence that his eyes are not as good. You know, How many times have you heard him say this year, I couldn't read the putts. I, I had no idea they were going to be that slow or they were going to be that fast. I just couldn't get the speed right, um, I, and he almost says that every week. Your nerves are not as good. Your eyes are not as good. Your body's not as good. Your body's not as fast. At the beginning of the year, everybody was talking about how he's swinging 129 miles an hour. Well, last week at the Dell Technologies, he was was swinging 113, 114 miles an hour. Um, That was it. That was his club head speed. Yeah, you know, you know, he's 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 going to be susceptible to Father Time. There's just no way, two ways about it. And that's why I say, you know, even at at this, you know, sort of deteriorated rate, he's still Tiger Woods. Nobody else finished second and sixth in the last two major championships. Uh, he can still do things as well as most of the players on the PGA Tour. So, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he, it wouldn't hugely surprise me if he won another major. It wouldn't, it will not surprise me if he wins five more tournaments. Uh, that won't surprise me. And, and again, that's way above the average of the top ten players of all time. I'm not saying that he's just going to win one or two more times and that's it. I, I think he'll win three, four, or five more times. And I it wouldn't surprise me if he won a major. Now, I don't I don't think he will, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. So, I was gonna
1: bring up swing speed and I brought it up and then Brandel brought it up and I'm pretty sure he has this room bugged. There's something going on. He knows everything before you we say it. you think
0: he's sensing it.
1: I do. He he literally, Frankie, we were talking before the podcast. He was like, "I got all these things. I'm going to grill Brandall It's going to be great." And then he ate mild Bran- or ate mild Frankie and then he did it to me too. Uh, well,
3: here I'm looking right here. So in round 1 his club head speed was 115.4, then 113.2, then 114.6, and then 115.7 in the final round. All of those were with drivers. Um
0: You And that
3: is, the the average club head speed on the PGA Tour is 113 miles an hour. So he went from being one of the fastest on the PGA Tour at the beginning of the year to almost average last week. Um, So, you know, again, what is that? That's age. There's just no two ways about it.
0: Do you think there's any truth to the fact that he's dialing it back to control the ball and hit more fairways.
2: That's what I was going to say. I mean, the guy's been the most erratic uh, off the tee guy that we've seen in his entire career, and now all of a sudden we're seeing his numbers drop a little bit, like you just noted. Is it it strategy? I mean, I, I wouldn't look too far past Tiger just thinking that this is a strategic move to just swing just a little bit slower and try and get a little more control.
3: Right. So, the reason he has to swing slower, okay, so there's a couple things at work here. So, If he were younger, his swing were longer, and he would have faster clubhead speed more gracefully. But because his his swing – he's a little older, so his swing is shorter. So for him to swing as fast as he was at the beginning of the year, he had to strip the gears in transition. So, yes, I agree with you that he is swinging a little bit more within himself, but it is not as much for strategy – as it is for him accepting the fact that he can no longer do what he was doing, which is swing with reckless abandon just to try to keep it up with Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Those are age-related, flexibility-related issues. They're not as much strategically. I'd probably he wouldn't have this strategy if he were 27 years old or 32 years old. His golf swing, if you go back and look at 2000, um, it, if you compare his 2000 swing to this swing, it's almost like he stops at the top of his golf swing. You know, it's like it's when I'm doing it in slow motion, there's like three clicks of him at the top of his swing in 2000. And by the time he, you know, as soon as he gets to the top now, he's coming down. So all those things are age related and they, you know, they're incremental. They're different. You have to kind of squint to see them, but they matter. You know, they just, you know, I mean, sport is for young people you know he's 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 you know one of the best quotes i ever heard about it is that all athletes are blocks of ice and they're melting they're always melting
2: but he's the t- he's the ice dragon though he, you said every time he walks into a room <laughs> yeah, he makes he turns people into ice like and so i can't see him melting until everyone else around him melts and then
0: he I mean, might I just accumulate everyone else's ice and become and a like bigger it's, it's, iceberg. It's
2: the friend. smoke that walks into the room, like when <laughs> when like Metallica walks onto the stage. He fills the room with just like cold air.
3: Yeah, that's intimidation, and and I'm talking about his his physical skill.
2: See, I see that, and then I think back to what was it, the tenth hole at at Carnoustie, when he does that recoil out of the fairway bunker, and we yeah. all were like. Holy shit! Is this <laughs> yeah. guy 18 years old or yeah. is he 50? Like, how like that to, was exciting to me. Like, I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, Brandon. It, it's a squinting type of. I have to stop this at the top of his at the top of his swing. See what he's doing, breaking it down. But to the to the naked eye, it just seems like I don't know. To, to me, as, as just a, as a diehard Tiger fan and a guy who's just watching him go through a process, like we all like to say on this podcast, it's a process that we believe he's going through. Just learning a new swing with this new fused back. Um, I, I mean, I just see him being able to be nimble and being able to be flexible and keeping up. Like you said, he's ha- he's T2. Uh, he finished in second and sixth in, in major championships. And, like, I just see him being able to be this flexible guy regardless of his age and his injuries. I, I, I mean, I understand that there's probably some miles per hour differences, but do you think it's going to be that much of a difference in the way he competes? I mean, isn't he showing that – he can still do it to like the naked eye or to the guy that's just watching him every day play.
3: Yeah. He's absolutely competing. He's just hasn't won. And I'm saying that there's a reason for that. It's there. There are very specific reasons for that. You guys alluded to the back nine at the open championship and he hit it. He hit it in the bunker on 10 and then he missed the fairway at 11 and then he missed the fairway at 12. um, And he only hit one fairway on the back nine and you know he was a completely different player uh, on the back nine than he was for every other nine that he had played you know he's only played one tournament this year when he didn't have a bogey or a double on the back nine on Sunday and and you know again that's what is that you know why is that is what does that relate to you know i i think it's plausible to make the argument that it's nerves that it's uh, – it, 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 the fact that he's nervous affects the speed with which he transitions the club, which leads to a deterioration in accuracy, which is just enough to keep him from winning. I mean, he's close, right? He's close. And years ago, I used to say if Tiger's half as good as he used to be, he's still twice as good as anybody else. And that was in 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 13. In 2013, he was 37 years old, and he he beat a young, in their prime, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and he was banged up. But again, um, you know, and now he's 42, soon to be 43, and and that's a that's a completely different story. Um, so yeah, I mean, he still competes, and it's great to see. And I think it's probably not probably it's the biggest story of this year. No disrespect to any of these other players. It's It's the biggest story, and it's by far the most fun thing to watch. There's nothing that even competes. And I still say it's the best swing in golf. I I think Tiger has the best swing in golf. You know, Adam Scott's golf swing is more elegant. It's more aesthetically appealing. But Tiger's hits all these perfect lines, and there's so much more energy and charisma to it that, you know, when when he hits a good shot and twirls the club, it's like everybody gets hit with this bolt of electricity. Uh, everybody you know when he makes a putt if I'm in the studio there's 300 people in the studio 300 people will yell if I'm out on the road and there's 50 people in our compound 50 people will yell nobody will do that when I'm traveling uh, let's see after wherever the hell what was the last event before before after the Northern Trust so I had four days off I flew home to Phoenix to see my kids Uh, in those four days in the airport, I had maybe 10 people stop me and ask me about Tiger Woods. Not one person asked me about Bryson DeChambeau or Brooks Koepka or Dustin Johnson or Jordan Speed. I think every single question was about Tiger Woods. (laughs) You know, he's, he's, he's the greatest player ever in my eyes. Um, And he's the most exciting player to ever watch in my eyes. So, um, you know, just sooner or later though, I mean, it just happens, you know, just, Little by little, the skills ebb away, and the wins become fewer and fewer. And we're in that period with Tiger.
0: Well, I'm a, we're of the belief that he's on the way up, not on the way down. <laughs> we have gone through this. <laughs> I hope you're right. Around Matt. the office, you guys say, hey,
3: "Listen, I was wrong last year about the chipping. I hope next year, when I talk to you guys about this time, he won. He won seven times. Yep. And you guys are giggling and telling me I'm an idiot.
0: We're one and one. We're one for one there we on go. that so far. That's so what makes Brandall
1: the best in the business is he can admit
3: when he's wrong.
0: Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's, that's, that's you nailed it. Trent. I came I into this it.
1: wanting to compare Brandel
2: to Big Cat. We have a uh, co-host Big Cat, or not co-host, uh, a uh, co-worker. co-worker Big Cat that is a uh, very trollish tiger fan um he's been on record saying that tiger was never going to win again and now the fact that he's just playing better and in the mix and competing now he's like tiger's biggest fan he wears red to the office on sundays he's he's trolling he's trolling (laughs) us and and, and it just like it pisses us tiger fans off because we've been with him through the ups and the downs and the back surgeries and the and you know everything that's happened and I wanted to come in here and like compare that to what Brandel does, but I, I it, what you do is just different because you just report what you're watching. He's a man. Brandel's a man of science. But, like he's a man of science. Like he sees a tiger swinging slower, and he just says it. And yeah. like to me, it's like, all right, well, he said that, and now like he's saying tiger. Like first he said tiger wasn't going to win, and now he's saying tiger will win. So it's like you are going on this up and down roller coaster. But I do see where he is coming from. There's Brandel. evidence. There is there. evidence to what he's saying at the moment. And it's hard to... You I mean, also,
0: Frankie, you weren't on the uh, the first show that we had when we had Brandle in studio, actually. Okay. And Trent and I came armed with exactly what you're talking about. We were <laughs> yeah. like, we're going to get to the bottom of this Brandle guy. And he does. He just, he, he you can tell he's not actually trolling. And I also, when we got drinks down at the PGA Championship the night before the final round of the PGA, <laughs> and I asked Brandle over a couple of drinks, I said, genuinely... <laughs> Who is the one guy that, that is best and that you honestly, like, would want to win tomorrow? And he said Tiger Woods because, and he had a lot of different reasons, and it makes a ton of sense, but I do believe that it's it's genuine. And Frankie, Brandel, I said, I told you, Frankie came in here armed and ready to drag you All over. Because right, I Tigers. wasn't in the first couple <laughs> ones.
2: And And Brandel's probably the first one. to admit, like, <laughs> anyone that thinks of the name Brandel, they're like, oh, it's the guy that just always calls out Tiger when no one else does. And honestly, it's a really... A commendable thing that you do. I mean, you just like say it how you how you feel. You do your research and you just crunch the numbers, and you just go out and say it. And it's it's a hard thing to as a tiger fan, to just accept. But I mean, it is fun to talk to you now while Tiger's on as we're saying the uprise. Even though you may be saying it, whatever as he's getting older, we're just going to block. We're not going to listen to that. We're, we're blocking that out. That. But it <laughs> is yeah. fun. It's but, you <laughs> know I, people
3: forever have said you know you're a tiger hater, and I I inside I'm like listen if that's what you think I, I can't. You know, we can't change what other people think, uh, but you're wrong. I mean, I could put together a video clip, uh, and it would be probably nine to one, me talking positively about Tiger Woods. But the problem is, is that you know I first went into TV, in, well, Golf Channel in 2004, and Tiger Woods was in the middle of a swing change in 2004 from – and he was leaving Butch to go to Hank Haney. Now, tell me that wasn't the most, at the time, the most gobsmacking thing anybody had ever heard of. He'd won four majors in a row with Butch and made 142 cuts and won them by 15 and 12, and he was abandoning that move. And wow. so so I go on TV, and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Well, what is he doing? This would be like Michael Jordan deciding to shoot left-handed after the you know 98. Like, what are you – it's like crazy. <laughs> And and so the entire time I've been doing TV, I've been basically talking about a guy who builds a golf swing and then abandons it. Builds a golf swing and abandons it. Then builds another one and abandons it. And and it's the craziest thing in the history of sports. You know, and, and, and these these windows, these two year windows that it takes him to to break down and then build up another golf swing have cost him in my eyes, they've cost him You know, if you do the win percentages over those two years, they've cost him, good gosh, they've cost him 10 majors. They've cost him 30-odd, 40-odd wins elsewhere. Um, So, you know, part of him is is the most amazing thing. And, And then the other part is that he's the most beguiling athlete in the history of sports.
0: Well, he like you said, anybody that stops you in the airport, that's all I want to talk about is Tiger Woods. So I'm glad we were able to get that out. I'm sure this will not be the last time that we do discuss Tiger Woods. Um, we don't want to keep you your entire night, but we do have to get to Bryson DeChambeau, very polarizing figure, not just uh, out there but on the show as well. He's won back-to-back weeks now. Uh, is there something about Bryson DeChambeau? Is he doing because he clearly does all the things differently. He's got the single-length irons. He's got frickin' compasses. He's all, he was doing side-saddle putting last year. Now he's got kind of the anchor long-putter thing going on. Has Bryson DeChambeau, like, figured out something that we all need to be aware of in the game of golf?
3: Well, I've seen uh, – time will tell on that one. You know, I, I've seen people uh, come along who were similarly addicted to the golf machine. Uh, the book that that he has used throughout his you know um, um, career basically, uh, and I've seen people similarly addicted to s- those swing mechanics, and they had very short careers, and they just you know basically imploded, and and I expected to see the same thing from Bryson DeChambeau, but the difference is is that Bryson has interpreted this book on his own. He has not allowed others to interpret the book for him. The others that came out—I'm talking about Bobby Clampett and o'grady uh, the two most uh, prominent um, proponents of that book—you um, know—they came out with what's known in the golf industry of deep lag. You know, they carry their right elbow way in front of them, and they had all this shaft angle that they would have to unload in the last fraction of a second at impact, and they were not particularly good drivers of the golf ball, and as a result, they didn't have great distance control. But Bryson comes out, and he grew up reading this golf book, but he's the opposite of that. He almost has no lag, and I've asked him about it, and he said that that is because they let a particular teacher of the golf machine translate the book for them. And he goes, I, I translated it myself. I came up with my own interpretation of the, of the, of the book, the Bible, the golf Bible. And uh, and I thought that was fascinating. I thought, well, here's a guy who actually did the work himself, and you know, there's there's power in that self discovery. There really is. You know, uh, the fact that he's he's figured it out on his on his own through trial and error, and that he defies convention. He's not trying to be conventional, the same way everybody else was who dove into that book. And that's you know that's vitalizing. It's it's powerful when you think I came up with this stuff on my own, and and these are my ideas, and he's taken ownership of them. So, you know, it, he didn't just spring up out of nowhere. I mean, winning the NCAA and the U.S. Amateur um, in in one year. I mean, that is these are these. You know, Jack Nicklaus did that. You know, Phil Mickelson did that. Tiger Woods did that. Uh, you know, these are these are great predictors of success. And he didn't just win the U.S. Amateur. I mean, he beat the living crap out of every player. I mean, he just steamrolled through it so there's something about the guy that can handle the heat you know Um, and it's it's cool to watch because he's completely different you know I'm blown away watching him because on the one hand I, I I think that anybody that that is that addicted to mechanics like I I've almost always made them analogous to say Justin Rose who's never not rehearsing his golf swing so when I see Justin and I'm a huge fan of Justin's don't get me wrong. There's all types of players in the game. But I, I always think you know you can't be 100% into the shot if you're doing all these rehearsals to your golf swing. But Bryson is. He comes about in a different way. He's got all of these different angles and ideas and metrics and numbers that he is calculating based upon where the club needs to be at impact. So he's, he's coming at the swing from impact back which is different than Justin Rose who's coming at the swing from the golf swing down. So it's completely different. It's it's the way Jack Nicklaus used to play the game. Jack used to think about where the club needed to be at impact. And then he would imagine where his body, what his body needed to do to produce that impact. And that's what Bryson's doing. And it, it's, it's the optimum way to swing a golf club. And he's also thinks about how to play a hole from the green back. You know, he, He really is strategic in the way he plans out uh, his rounds of golf. So, you know, there's some magic, and and I always say, you know, we define athletes based upon how they break from convention and change the game. You know, that's what's so cool about Tigers. He 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 transformed the game.
2: I mean, it's literally not, (laughs) Brandel. It's literally not magic. It's it's books, it's papers, it's compasses. Well, it's it's. It's like lab coats. It's everything say, that's not magic. Tiger is, that, is magic. Is Brand, that, uh, Bryson is not magic. Bryson is textbooks. Bryson is a geek. Bryson no, is a nerd. No. Yes, he is. He read. He read how to swing a golf club, the and golf he just machine. did it. He is a, a machine. He's, he's a machine. He's not magic. I find him to be completely ridiculous.
3: Yeah. Well, I hear you, and a lot of people will say that. But my point is, is that I've seen lots of people try to come at the game by reading books they all do basically and through science but they don't they've never swung the way bryson does they've never have. there's never been a single player come at the game the way bryson does never with these clubs never ever with this golf swing it's never been done before
1: i mean we should it's, frankie we should have seen this coming he's Brandall has a very analytical brain. He's a very smart guy. And Bryson has a very analytical right. brain. They're, so they're, pro- they're two peas in a pod. This it's magical, right to-
0: Frankie, and that he's doing it completely differently with the single-length irons and all of that. And even though others but have tried like crazy calculated. stuff, he's also winning, Frankie. He's putting it to like, work. I, he's doing it I differently than anybody different, else and have, better than anybody else. I guess else.
2: we have different uh, definitions of, of magical. Like, I find what Bubba does more it's, magical than Bryce. It seems like Bubba artistry. goes out there and just, like, yeah. swings like he's swinging, uh, uh, like, a hay rake or, like, a, like one of those. No. Like,
3: Bubba's got one of the best swings ever. Um, ever. You know, and... You know, Bubba swings. But it's not mechanically
2: hands, like, correct, right? I mean, if, of all people. Oh, you, it's
3: perfect. It's mechanically perfect. It's, it's, He's got me in you're a, a pretzel right now. Brandle writes books
0: about the golf swing, Frank. He's got me in a pretzel. You're over here. Way. You're, like, doing I mean, circles like, in the room. He's Brandle's got, <laughs> putting you in a
3: pretzel.
2: I mean, when I see Bubba swing, it's like. He's going these huge he's doing these. It huge feels cuts. like you're
1: watching Mozart when you watch Bubba. When you watch Bryson, you feel like you're watching R two 2 Bubba reminds me of Magic. Like
2: he'll he hit these huge cuts and his swing's massive and he's got this huge fucking driver that's like pink and it's awesome. So like when he's when he huge was doing that. arc, he's got a huge, huge arc, arc to his swing. Like
3: Brandle's well, just like a lot like, more golf swings like Bubba's than I have like Bryson.
2: When I watch Bryson swing I feel like I see numbers just go around his head and his body. I feel like it's like from yeah, the movie The Hangover exciting, when he's What
3: yeah. but what's exciting about Bryson is that he's doing something nobody's ever done before. Now again, I, I can I can you know, Sam Sneed swung like Bubba, John Daly swung like Bubba, um, you know, Tom Watson swung like Bubba. Um, you know, Phil Mickelson swings like Bubba. Um you know, I, there's scores of players that have swung a club like Bubba, scores. Nobody ever has swung a golf club like Bryson, and Bryson came to this by his own research, which is cool as hell to me. It really is. And, and you know, I, I honestly didn't think he was this good. I, had no, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't, and it's really cool to watch. Um, and 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 will he change the game I can't see it I can't see people going to these big fat grips and holding the club in their lifeline of their hand and I just can't see it you know I've tried it um, you know not that exact move but I've tried similar things to it and it, it, I couldn't create any speed so it's it's really fun to watch somebody come along who d- is doing something that nobody's ever thought to do or or could do um, and he's, he's defying convention so it it's it, it's it's
0: cool to watch. I agree. It's very cool to watch. These guys will never agree. That's okay. They just don't understand the game like we do, Brandon. Yeah, he rubs team. a lot
3: of people the wrong way. Yeah,
0: I mean, he signs his autograph
1: backwards with
2: his, like, left hand. and It's it's just. Well, th- my, I mean, my th- original beef with
1: him was the the coverage of him. People mm-hmm. were like, oh, he's the mad scientist. He's going to change the game. Yeah, but you still hate him and now he's winning tournaments. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. He made me eat crow on that, no doubt about it. But I still, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I still just find the things that, the quirkiness of it. Yeah, now still you have to
0: just admit bit. that you just don't like it.
1: Yes,
2: that is what I've done.
0: All right, okay.
1: Well, that's fine.
2: See, yeah, I just wanted hey, to get down so to the funny. bottom of it here. I've always said I don't like I he rubs me the wrong way just I can just tell looking at him like like no, him I as can a person, tell. Definitely. He's a great golfer. I like watching someone play golf. Well, like I enjoy watching people win golf tournaments. I also root against people that I just don't like. I don't know how I get to those assumptions. I don't know how I have those feelings. It's just like when you see someone that like you like love at first sight. I have hate at first sight and I had hate at first sight with <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau and I will never right. stop doing it. He That's could fine. win right. the Ryder Cup for us. He could hit a 90 foot putt and go all crazy. Right. And, and I'm still going to root for America. But him personally, I just hope he doesn't win tournaments. Like, I, I,
3: outside of Tiger, though, Freddie, who's your favorite player? Outside of Tiger, well... The,
2: no, he hates the, everyone. He well, no, I Biden. don't hate everyone. I'm a lefty, so Phil's my second guy, and he's always performed well in New York, and I'm like a Long Island guy. I always liked rooting on Phil at Beth Page. It was always his birthday during, like, U.S. Opens. We'd always sing Always. Every Everybody's now. always singing happy birthday. I just have Phil. very good memories of Phil, and like I said, being a lefty, I love that. I like... I. I I've actually gotten sucked into on this podcast a lot of the Bubba hate and I've probably been on record screaming about Bubba and hating him. I've come around on Bubba a little bit more now in recent in recent terms, just because like we've made fun of him crying. Like my dad cries at everything. Like I've just been around male criers my whole life. So that really doesn't piss me off as much, but some oh, so of the yeah, stuff he get, does. you have connection to lefties, I understand that. Yeah, <laughs> so he's another lefty. That was that's the whole thing I was pointing. Yeah, um, no, and I like Speeth. I like speath. I hate Justin Thomas, but that's a whole other story. But right, you know, know, I
3: sit in a, again, I sit in a room with two hundred people watching golf. And, and uh my wife is, just came in here. she Randall's went, a male crier. <laughs> there
2: you go. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Randall would be great at my family. <laughs> Hey, there's nothing, <laughs> See? there's nothing wrong with the I once, cried at, I oh, once cried
2: at Jimmy Fallon because of the theatrics of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Frankie so. cried I, at Jimmy I, Fallon I, when he I, came did. out. It was The Tonight Show. It wasn't <laughs> specifically Jimmy Fallon. It was like the, the lights came on, the roots were playing, they announced Jimmy Fallon, I started weeping. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's me, man. I'd I say, the, I, I mean, we go to movies and... I mean, my wife knows exactly when I'm going to start crying, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and I mean, I I can't help it, you know.
2: I I so often we'll- say maybe you can take this one. I often say that my goosebumps are attached to my tear ducts. Whenever I have that goosebump feeling, I immediately yeah. start to tear up. It's just something yeah. that happens to me naturally.
3: Yeah, like I, it doesn't matter how many times I watch the movie The Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm an absolute i'm a i'm a pool of, of, of <laughs> tears at when, the end of it I'm, I'm just pitiful when he gets the job know, what's that
0: when he gets the job oh is that God. when you start he crying the
3: job oh. when, he, when he when he finds out when he when he says uh that line about you know what would you say if i hired somebody with no shirt on No, what was it what was yeah it? oh he, yeah and his line was he must have had on some damn nice pants. <laughs> I mean, I could start. I could start <laughs> damn crying. I'm right gonna cry right now. Randall's <laughs> gonna make Frankie cry. I just it's got be those cry-ception. goosebumps. <laughs> I just got those goosebumps. I swear to God, uh, my eyes started to well up. Right, and when he tells his son, "Don't you ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. You oh. want it, go get it." Period. and it's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, uh, I'm gone.
1: Oh, we're
2: I
3: mean, all. There's other movies. I mean, all of them. I mean, even like maybe you know i, I don't know it, it, yes um i'm trying to think The hitch is another one jesus oh, no, big not will not crying. smith cry <laughs> huge will smith cry will, will smith just does Brando. it for Brandon. will smith
2: hits wet Brando, <laughs> Brando right in the feels
3: i do love will smith <laughs> i do I do. Huge uh, Will what's Smith. What's next? Like,
2: what's that Hitchcock movie? Uh,
1: yeah, that's not really sad, No, I'm just
0: thinking. Of I'm trying
3: to think. What's another movie I just lose it in?
0: Do so. you cry during, like, I, Robot? Will Smith? <laughs> <Right? or that laughs> <It's>
3: just like <laughs> random Will Smith. Oh, Rudy. Movie. Rudy. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not a sci-fi guy.
0: That one's hard. When his family's, like, crying in the stands, it's hard not to cry in Rudy. That's,
3: that's a good one. <sighs> so pretty much every movie with any sentiment in it, gone. Absolutely it. gone. <laughs>
0: Uh it makes yeah, a lot of so sense. Yeah, so
3: I but I did not yeah. Bubba, Bubba's tears don't get me. No, they, they uh I mean <laughs> Man, I'm I with you seen, there. I get it. I matter of fact I, I was sitting next to Charlie Reimer when Tiger Woods had his mea culpa and and Charlie started tearing up. You remember in two thousand ten when Tiger came back and he you know, he did his thing yep, in front of yep, everybody in yep. So I was on the set, you know, uh and Charlie was, at that time, he did Golf Central, and he started tearing up, and, uh, you know, people were poking fun at Charlie, but I knew why Charlie was tearing up, because he had had some family members who had dealt with addiction, and it crushed his family, and so what Tiger was going through came full circle, Charlie, and he, he almost couldn't even get through the show, you know, and. And so, you know, in the weeks after that, I'd be somewhere. I'd be in a room. People start picking on Charlie. And it's like, listen, I, nobody likes to pick on Charlie more than I do. Um, <laughs> but, he, he, I, you know, it's like I'll defend him crying because that was real. You know, that was a real moment. That was – it was painful. You know, who, who among us would, could stand up there publicly embarrassed and with our parents in front of us and the whole world watching and then admit to something so personal and so embarrassing. And it, it was, you know, it was, it got me a little bit, to be honest with you. It got me, um, it, you know, and I mean, it's happened, you know, when I'm doing this show, I remember watching uh, the Open Championship in 2009 when Tom Watson. Uh, I was on the set when he hit a shot into the last green and when it was in the air and it landed on the green, I mean, I was having a talk to myself. I was like, listen, I got to come on the air and talk to him. I got emotional. Now, it quickly went away when he missed the putt, but it happens, you know. I mean, there's, you know, s- uh, sport, uh, it, it gets to us um, you know, you know, when we see these real moments. And Tiger's given us more of them than pretty much anybody.
0: Well, it's, it's Jimmy Valvano, baby. If you laugh, oh, uh, you man. think, and you cry, that's a full day.
3: That's a, that's a great day.
0: One of his, right. one of his, one of the best speeches of all time.
3: Yeah, we're we're a pro
1: crying show, no doubt about. No, it. No, we cry. If we're oh, yeah. crying sweet. There's
3: all, nothing wrong with that. All time, yeah.
0: <laughs> Folks, you got to get yourself the supreme view of all tee times. That is from our good buddies at Supreme Golf. You go to supremegolf.com slash barstool. Everybody asks us. We get tweet after tweet after tweet. What's that tee time app you guys book? You're talking about it all the time. I heard it's the best. Everybody's talking about it's the best. It looks so clean. What's it called? It's Supreme Golf. Go get their app. Go into your app store, get the Supreme Golf app, download it, delete any other golf-related app for tee times that you have, because they have every guy you've ever heard of, every guy. Tee off, they've got it. Golf Now, they've got it. That's what I don't get. People are
1: like, oh, no, but I use this other one. But it's like, no, it has that one, too. It has all those in one you're place. you idiots.
0: It has that. That other one that you're talking about, they've got it. Right. Mm-hmm. Supreme Golf just has that. It makes no sense Plus, not to use Supreme. Plus thousands more. Right. They've just got way more than everybody else. Plus, they include the ones that you're talking about. So just get rid of the other ones and get Supreme Golf. You go to SupremeGolf.com slash Barstool to book your tee time today or download the app. It's Supreme Golf. Again, they are like Trivago. They've got everybody you've ever heard of. They've got more than double the courses of all the other guys. They are the largest tee time database in the world. Okay? Think about all the tee time databases there must be out there. So many. They've got... More than double the courses of the other guys, and they have the largest tee time database in the world. It's a great app. The app works phenomenally. Actually, I get my buddies text me all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, dude, I used your Supreme Golf thing. I wasn't sure if you are just like doing an ad read type deal. No. They're like, it's awesome. I deleted every other golf tee time app because they're just better. They have everybody. So if you're not using it, you're a dumb person. Yeah. You're stupid. I legitimately use it. Right. Yep. Like, I actually use it. You tell me all the time, you go, hey, I used to bring golf to book this tea time. I used to bring golf to book that tea time. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah. All the court, all the golf courses that I play that are on Long Island and Eastern Long Island, I'll, I'll always drive like 30 minutes out east because I hate the Nassau County golf courses. I always, I mean, I treat them horribly, like we've said on this podcast before. I don't really, I don't really take them as, you know, as narrow an parking and all that stuff. Again, I don't, I don't want you to, to start incriminating yourself again. Right, you're just treating golf courses terribly. Right. Correct. I mean, that one I'll take, I'll take to the grave. I don't like that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, all the courses I happen to play are all on Supreme Golf because, like, every golf course is on Supreme Golf, and I just, like, get better deals than I used to. Like, I was paying a certain price for one golf course, and now I go there all the time, and it's just cheaper. I don't and, know what happened.
0: And they have the alert feature Yeah. where if you're like, hey, actually, I think that I could get it for the, this rate. I would love to play it if I can get it at this rate. You can just set it for that rate, and then once that uh, once Supreme Golf offers that rate at that course, they will just alert you. You'll get, like, a notification. Hello, Frankie. You can now play this course for forty-five bucks. Boom,
2: done. Imagine it just like talked like that. Maybe <laughs> it, that would be man, that would be. A nice little...
0: listening. If you could put in a feature where it's like,
2: "Hey, Frankie," <laughs> and it only did on the weekend, so you're really not getting worked up on the uh, during the week. But like, if you're just sleeping and you know that you want to play on like a Saturday, and like your phone just talks to you while you're just like laying in so bed, it's like, Frank. "Hey, Frankie, get up. <laughs> There's a tea time." For this price. And like you just get up and do it, that'd be incredible.
0: No joke. That's like pretty much what it is. Yeah. It just sets a notification and just tells you when it hits that price. So, supremegolf.com slash barstool. Supreme Golf app. Go to the app store, get Supreme Golf. They've got every guy you've ever heard of. They're the biggest. They're the best. They got the best deals. It's crazy not to use them. Supreme Golf, Supreme Golf, Supreme Golf. Uh, So, I got just a couple more questions, Brandall. Next, you had your return to competitive golf uh do you feel any differently about championship golf after uh after returning playing at the senior british open this past summer
3: yeah i do you know i i get the team concept more than i previously did you know i would always i'd rage against it but i'd always kind of roll my eyes a little bit when i would hear players talk about the team concept um but i get it you know in the in the I didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready for that, but two or three months that I was getting ready for it, I was, you know, I was, I was working out, I was stretching, but I was definitely, you know, hitting golf balls and going online and looking at YouTube videos and and working on it myself. But you know, my teacher came in and he had flight scope, and I was, the the information today is so much better than it was when I played the game for a living, which wasn't that long ago, but it you know it was 15 years ago, but in that last 15 years, video cameras are so good, uh, forensic measuring devices are amazing. Training has improved so much that I get it. And and because there's so much money, you can afford to have, you know, the plan. The tour, the hardest part about playing the tour, and I, I've said this all the time, and it is without a doubt the hardest thing about playing the tour when I played was from sundown to sunup. You know, what you do in those hours, you know, for one thing, you're on the road and it's lonely. And it's, you know, there's all kinds of temptation that can derail players and drinking, um, carousing, you know, any of those things. Um, and now then they can afford to have around them people that can help them stay focused and make the tour nowhere near as lonely it's a it's a it's a team event now um and and i just you know when i got out there i saw all these guys that i grew up with and um you know this they still have that thousand yard stare you know when they're playing like i was out there just for fun you know it was just for me it was i'm not saying i was out there to compete don't get me wrong but i have a real job i have i have another job um golf's not my livelihood and I was out there and, you know, I was out there sort of yucking it up, having fun. These guys still had that thousand-mile stare, you know, where this is life and death still. And I had kind of forgotten about, you know, how, how hard sport is and how mean it is and how cruel it is. And, um, and, and so, yeah, you know, I, I've embraced the team concept a little bit more since I came back for sure. I get it. And if I had and you know, I'm going to go back, I'm going to keep playing and practicing. Um, and and look, I I've, I've got a I've got a coach now that I believe in. Um, and I'll use all the training devices I can get my hands on. Um, whereas before again, I was a little bit cynical about those things.
0: Wow, Brandel's got a swing coach. I feel like that's a pretty uh that that's a job that could be <laughs> under the microscope a little bit. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I've spent a lot of time, you know, looking at all the teachers, you know, I I get the list, I look at who they teach, I look at what they teach, I I go into their students and I look at the before and after and see if they've made them better or worse. And along the way, I kept running into, you know, there are two or three or four maybe that I thought, wow, these guys are really good. They put case studies out there. And 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 what a great thing to do, right? I mean, all science is based upon case studies. But there's a lot of people in this business and industry that claim to be using science, and yet they don't put case studies out there. And it's like, okay, sure, we'll call that science if you want, but it's not. <laughs> um, and so these guys would put before and afters out there, and I was intrigued. So I reached out to these guys, and uh, I love them. Um, you know, one of them actually is teaching. This 47-year-old guy, he goes by Fast Eddie. He's on long drive tonight, actually. Um, my teacher teaches this guy, and he's 47, and he swings 150 miles an hour. Oh and uh, Lucas has added, Lucas Wald is this guy's name, and he's added I think like nine miles an hour to his club head speed, something like that, in the last year just through these techniques, which I was researching to write my book and you know I was a big believer in them but not too many other teachers believed in them and I found this guy and I reached out to him and he I was like why do you believe in these things because because all the greats did it and and then he had you know all the science to back it up so I was like all right you're my guy so um, anyway it was it was fun the best part about researching my book was was running into you know a handful of teachers that I, unlike before where you were always guessing whether or not a teacher was good, right, because we use criteria that is completely subjective. Um, But uh, but it was nice to find some objective criteria to base my opinion on.
0: Last question. You had an ace out at your trip to Cabot recently. (laughs) And they
3: all say hi to you, by the way.
0: That's <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Uh, we love those people up at Cabot. We love them very much. Uh, I have to know how much your ace just crushed our guy, Eamon,'s soul.
3: Oh, my God. It's so funny. So <laughs> I'm playing with Bailey, my wife, obviously, Trey Wingo, and Eamon. Okay? So ninth hole. Jesus. What course was that? i forgotten. Was it the damn Cliffs or was it the Williams-Bales? Yeah, it was cliffs, all right. Ninth hole cliffs, of course. And uh, so, and and all of us have caddies. So I hit the shot, and it goes in, and as I, pandemonium breaks out. And as I'm sort of panning the landscape in front of me, I see our friend, Amon. He's got his back to me. His head is down. He's shaking his head, and he's walking wistfully off to the sea. Like like not 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 turning around to congratulate me. He couldn't have looked more dis it's like he just found out his dog died. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have looked more despondent. Couldn't have. Absolutely couldn't have. And and it was it was actually it was like the thing I remember most about it was just how depressed he looked at having to turn around and say Nice shot, but he added a word at the end of it that rhymes with hunt.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, it sounds exactly right. That's about what I imagined.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was fun because Bailey and I were playing he and Trey Wingo and uh we were square. We were all square on that hole. I was given I was giving a shot a hole and Trey eight or twelve shot. Um and so that went in, we won one up. And, oh, wow! And and we we didn't let them forget about it on the back nine. So, and about it, the funny thing about it, it was two, three holes before we were all talking about hole in one. And when was the last time we had one? And have you had one? I don't you know. Blah blah blah. Damn it! If I didn't make one, so it was a hoot.
0: That's and amazing. And I
3: think I drank. Well, we all drank a bottle of whiskey in our room. Uh, uh, a bottle of uh, scotch. We just sat around the whole afternoon, just cheersing, cheersing, cheersing. And the next thing you know, I was like, we're out of scotch. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to pay for that. I, I paid for that uh, hole-in-one the, the, the entire next day, I can tell you that. <laughs> that's
0: how it should be. Oh, That's awesome. Uh, we yeah. are all still all still waiting for our first. So yeah. we're thinking oh. the more hole-in-one stories we can get on the show, maybe they'll just creep into oh. our veins and we can start. Well,
3: you're not alone because Eamon hadn't made one, Trey hadn't made one, and Bailey hadn't made one. Wow. So it was it was like, you you guys, I, I'm sure you know this. Maybe you don't, but Ben Hogan never made a hole-in-one. So, y'all are in good company.
0: I did not know that. That's really amazing. Hmm. Never?
3: Right? Most The best ball striker in history never made a one. So, there you go.
0: Oh, that makes me feel way
3: better. <laughs> you can always say, I had not made a hole-in-one, but then neither did Ben Hogan.
0: Well, our guy, Brandon Chamblee, you can obviously catch him on Golf Channel. He'll be uh, all over the Ryder Cup, as you mentioned, basically out there 24 hours a day delivering uh, the, the analysis, the hot takes, all that. When's the next book coming out, Brandon?
3: Uh, March next year, April next year. It's funny. Publishers are funny. You never know when they're going to put books out. You know, they were going to put it out this past year, but my publisher was putting Tiger Woods' book out. You know uh, the book that came out on Tiger? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We, we uh, read that. We had Armin Kataean on called, the show. Uh,
2: it's called Tiger Woods. That's the, that's the book called Tiger
3: Woods. Yeah. That's right. So – they didn't want to put my book out at that time. So it'll come out next year, April, March, April, sometime like that, maybe around the Masters, something like that. So, uh, it'll be the same anatomy of greatness, but it'll be the commonalities of the greatest short games and putters of all time.
0: I love so, it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to have you on closer to the, uh, the launch, the release, and you got uh, it. And we can you talk got all it. about that.
3: You got it. My pleasure, fellas. Uh, Trent Riggs, Frankie. Yep. Uh, one more Le Golf National for me. <laughs> there you I can go. Hit it,
2: Frankie. Uh, good luck over there at Le Golf National.
3: <laughs> oh, <oui, oui. laughs> <laughs> no, we. wee. It was a pleasure
2: speaking with you for the first time, Brandel. Uh, I appreciate the way you're able to mix it up with people, even though uh, we like to come at you a little bit. I mean, even the way he just talks about golf and the swings, and like I'm sure in this new book that's coming out, it's like I feel like I don't even play the sport of golf. Like, yeah. I was just out there. Me and Riggs were out there playing at the black. Like, like what were we even doing? I was hitting the ball sideways. Like, we're <laughs> talking about impact spots with with uh, Bryson where he, like, he, he goes backwards. What are you talking about? I'm just trying to <laughs> advance the ball. I'm trying to move the ball forward. So, it, it is fun speaking with you to just see how just insane this sport is.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if any other sport geeks out about technique the way, you know, I think maybe baseball a little bit. but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, yeah, golfers are out of our minds. We're completely out of our minds.
0: We are. Well, uh, say hi to Bailey uh, for us it. as well. I'll we we appreciated her cameo on the show, and uh, we'll have you back on soon, my friend.
3: <laughs> you got it. You guys take care. It's Thank- always great talking to you all. It really is.
0: You too, Brando. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Randall See ya.